you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It is the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast, and I've got a very distinguished guest on the show today in the form of Dan Bradbury, who is the owner of a private equity group, a fantastic business accelerator program, and also the author of several best-selling books as well. So welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for having me, Robin. Good to be here. Oh, it's, it's an abs- it's a real pleasure because I've tried two or three times to get you onto the podcast. Finally, we've succeeded. So uh, we're going to talk about the books a bit later on as well. But um, I'm interested to know um, initially because your whole thing is about um, like we we have a, a shared interest in knowing the numbers in the business. So and you help business owners to sort of um, uh, grow, scale, and exit. So. Um, Let's kick things off with like some of the most common mistakes that you see business owners making when they sort of hit that 250k mark because that's your sweet spot. Good question. I, I think a, I think you need to be resourced, and I think most people are negligent. They're focused on the outcome uh, and not what's going to get you there. I'm all for having goals, but a common mistake is they're pushing for revenue growth. Um, and uh, but it's not actually about revenue. Turnover is vanity. Profit is sanity. That's one <clears throat> common factor. But another way that, that would show up is uh, they are uh, financially illiterate. So uh, you know it, it, it's a very different skill set to get from startup, say, to a hundred thousand pounds, than it is to build a then start hiring and build a small established team. That might be in the mid six figure revenue, certainly for coaches, trainers, consulting kind of industry, and it's a very different skill set uh, when you when you start building a management tier, and you go to seven and eight figures, and so understanding those different levels and the different skills that are required, because what got you here definitely won't get you there. You know, a, a different way of saying it would be, um, uh, I don't know who said this, but the quote, I believe, uh, a little bit sexist quote is, if you give, uh, if, a, if the only tool a man has is a hammer, he treats everything as though it's a nail. And so people that get from nothing to six figures, it typically is all about sales and marketing, at least for coaches, trainers, and consultants is. So, um, uh, then for me, when I was at that phase, I thought to get from six to seven figure revenues was the same. And I, I, I plateaued for about three years. Uh, I mean, it must be crikey, <laughs> 15 years ago now. Um, uh, I, I got stuck about half a million in revenue because I, I, I failed to understand the missing piece or the skill sets that were required to get me to break through that level. Do you go into a bit more detail? Because I'm interested to know what what those skill sets were. Because this will be a massive blind spot to probably a lot of the people who are listening. Who are you know many of the listeners are kind of sort of in that uh, sort of five five and very low six figure sort of um, bracket. So what where where are the blind spots? What skills were missing? Yeah, uh, great question. For 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 me, uh, I mean, it depends on the person. You know, a prescription without proper diagnosis is malpractice. You, you need to understand it, it's relative. But there's only kind of five or six different kind of key areas of the business that you need to have nailed, and whichever one is weakest is where you'll suffer. However, being simplistic for me, it was about recruiting um, and management and leadership. So back then, um, 
uh, I, I developed the skill set of marketing and sales, which allowed me to grow to mid six figure revenues pretty quickly. And because it was such a high margin type business, there was plenty of margin for error. So, you know, you could hire people to do jobs and even if they weren't particularly good and it wasn't particularly great hire, it still worked and there was still money made. The problem was when I got up to the team and I think the team was maybe three, four, five people deep when I was at that kind of half a million revenue sort of stage uh, for that business at least um that's all of a sudden when things started breaking down you know uh, things are requested but not done but i didn't have the leadership skills um if we ignore the fact that i didn't have the right people for the right jobs that was what one thing also even the people that i had i didn't get the best out of them because i wasn't equipped on how to lead people and i was i was also in my um early to mid-20s at the time so um uh, I, I'm not pretending I've nailed it now, but I, I certainly feel I had a much bigger ego then than I do now. So I kind of thought I was God's gift, which often goes with uh, uh, my experience with men in their uh, early 20s, especially when, they're, when they've had a little bit of a taste of success and made a little bit of money, you know? Uh, and then consequently, that made me quite arrogant and I wasn't leading or inspiring people, which meant that I was stuck. I, I had to say stuck in the business. I wasn't able to extract myself from it or even as the mid-ground have a leverage that comes from having highly motivated competent employees that are focused on taking the business in the same direction that you want to go it's i really respect and appreciate your you know how candid you've been there as well and like sort of opening up about that because um sometimes a lot of people when they have struggles in their business they uh they they don't necessarily take responsibility for themselves because it it could have been really easy for you to blame the employees whereas actually what i heard there was no it was my responsibility i wasn't being the best leader and there are things that i could have done to have made that that process work better and i think that i think that's a really important um uh, point to focus on like take responsibility for whatever happens in your business the good stuff and the bad stuff yeah yeah i mean well anybody can do it 10 years later uh, <laughs> I, wish, I wish i wish i learned it uh, better i mean i think i was always a fan of kind of coaching self-development so i suppose I was fortunate in that since my late teens, I've been quite well indoctrinated, which probably made me more open than most. But I suspect it, the coaching that I was getting at the time, a lot of it was about how do I fix these broken people? You know, these people aren't doing their job properly. So I suspect it was much more focused externally than internally then. That 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 perhaps came over a period of time with a bit more experience. There was something which you said earlier on as well, which reminded me of kind of like the, um, this analogy around, um, I, I call it the Fiat 500 business, where you've got this little rickety Fiat 500 sort of, you know, that's the business engine sort of there. And you add rocket fuel into that, um, you know, and all that's going to happen is it's not going to go any faster, but eventually it's going to blow some pistons and explode, you know. And in business, like it, there was just something which you touched on around where, you know, every all these small businesses are focused on marketing, focused on sales, trying to get more clients into this very sort of rickety business. So what do you do in order to get them to stop for a moment, reassess the situation, and then start to build a rocket ship as opposed to a rickety Fiat 500 engine? Yeah, it, it's tough because I'm already aware now that I'm saying this and when I'm recording this, I'm in, I'm in my late 30s, I'm 38 now. And um, uh, but, but, but I've always been about 20 years older than my age. You know, even when I was 16, 17 years old, my, my, my friends used to call me uh, uh, Granddad Dan, you know? I... I uh, um, 
And so I'm going to say this now, but with a little bit of trepidation, because I know that the 20-something-year-old version of me wouldn't have listened to this. In fact, it's probably recipe for people to go, oh, I'm just turning off this. Uh, I didn't ask you, by the way, if I swear. I tend to swear quite oh, politely. fine. Go for it. I do as well. Uh, okay, good. Uh, um, uh, like, I'm turning off this uh, podcast. I'm, I'm not going to listen to this crap because it's just bollocks, you know, but 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 uh, but it's true, you know? Uh, and I look back now, and I remember this being sold to me, uh, told to me, which is these days I'm a fan. Uh, people, when people say to me, "Oh, Dan," if friends say to me, "How's life going?" I go, "Oh, it's boring as hell, and I love it." And then I say, "Well, what do I mean by that?" And I say, "I'm a fan of low drama." A mentor of mine says the problem with drama. Uh, is it only gets solved when you write a check. And in business, that's true. You have a problem, you have a crisis, you have to dive in. And, and it's mentally stressful, which is expensive, but also often you have to you have to pay somebody to fix a problem. Oh, the website down, the server's down, the, like the, the, the event's been cancelled, the, 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 uh, the Facebook account's been frozen, you know, whatever. It's, it, it's expensive and I just want low drama. I just want the businesses to print money, right, in a way that adds value that's sustainable for the world. And it's only going to be sustainable if it really is adding value. It's not propped up with a load of rockety shit. Um, I'm getting into the flow now. Uh, uh, where, you know, whereby, whereby when I perhaps was in my uh, 20s, I was more financially focused and I want to be explicit. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a capitalist. I believe in capitalism. Some of it's broken and you could argue it needs reform, but fundamentally I'm a fan of money. And, but back then in my twenties, it was much more about getting the money and, um, uh, making the sale. And whereas now I'm much more long-term, I'm, I, I'm way more interested in, I want this thing still to be working, expanding, growing, serving in five, 10 years time. I don't, um, want or need this. Oh yeah, we can do this in the short term and make sales now. Uh, if it doesn't work in the long term, I'm not interested. Easy for me to say that now. Cause I, I'm in a, I am aware I'm in a very privileged uh, position uh, financially, but but at the same time, I, I'm trying to get across to myself, you're doing all this stuff, the, uh, the younger version of myself, you're doing all this stuff to make money now, but actually it hurts you in the long term. And yeah, if you're- well, Don't knock yourself here because I think this is such an important message and like pe- people need like, like, hey, I'm 39 as well. So us guys have like some very important stuff to say. We've been, we've been through those knocks and those hard times ourselves and we had to learn those lessons in order to then be able to go and coach you know we have we have similar businesses different very different clients but similar businesses um we needed to have experienced that in order to be able to help other people not to experience it further down the line so i think that's like a really important part of like the journey which you've had to go through um there was something which you were saying there as well around like you know the website breaks and the, the facebook ads aren't working that sort of element of drama and the, the thing i heard there was and and by all means correct me if i've heard it incorrectly or hopefully hopefully i've got this right but if you build a sustainable business and you, your Facebook ads stop working, who gives a shit if the Facebook ads aren't working for today because you've still, you're still printing money. So it doesn't actually matter if you, if your business is printing money and it's sustainable, like when those things go wrong in the business, like this is what entrepreneurs don't get. If you think a business is just going to go smoothly like and run smoothly, like ad infinitum without any problems, like you're up, there's something wrong up here because it's a natural part of business that things do go wrong. It's how you then deal with it. Like you said, whether you make a drama out of it or whether you just deal with it. Yeah. Well said. I mean, it is quite a, um, a misgiving. I, I feel is often around the word fearless. Um, I think 
a lot of people mistakenly use the word fearless to justify doing stupid, irrational shit or, or, or justify taking high risk strategies. And the fact is, you can go, oh, yeah, I'm really, I'm being brave about it. I'm going for it. It's courage. It's like, no, it's stupid. Like, you're just jumping off a ledge. You know, you're being a lemming. You're just going to die. You know, that's not, uh, that's not um, uh, intelligence. Uh, I, I think there is a time, there's time and places where you go, you know what, I, I'm afraid, but it's the right thing to do and I need to do it or it's important to do it or the, the, the risk is worth it. But I think in a, in a lot of cases, people are just going to go, oh, yeah, you know, this is scary. Well, actually, that fear in you've got to discern when it's a rational fear, emotional fear that isn't helpful. It's hurting you. It's holding you back from no, no. It's perfectly rational to be scared. Um, it, you know, if there was a snake in this room right now, you know, if it was like it was a cobra, I'd be scared. I wouldn't be paying any attention because uh, this particular room that I'm recording this in is a it's a box room. You know, like I wouldn't be paying any attention to you. What's fucking ever? I'd be just <laughs> doing everything to like make sure that I stay away from that snake and get help. And that would be entirely appropriate, right? Yeah. So it's important to be able to discern uh, when it's irrational and not helpful versus when no, no, it's valid. And that's your body saying, pay attention because you could get hurt. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, or like when the, a wasp flies in in the middle of a post- podcast recording. I mean, that's you know slightly rational. But that's but... <laughs> life and death, Robin. That's life and death. <laughs> if yeah. I'm allergic to them, then yes, it could be. Um, <laughs> I'm not though. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, you know, g- good things for me. Like growth always stands on just the other side of fear. So if you can't, if there are like fearless, wasn't ever about being reckless. Fearless is always about for me. It's about fearing the things in business ever so slightly less that is stopping you from achieving your goal, or you know, um, and. I suppose this is quite a good point to kind of pivot into uh, sort of your story, your journey of how you got to where you are. So you've been in business for 15 years. I know that you've obviously um, scaled and exited several companies as well, but there was there was one which one sort of particular exit which um, in our conversation before this which stood out. Um, tell tell me about that because there was obviously quite a lot going on at that time as well. Yeah. It, it, um... Yeah, the one that you're talking about is I, I've done about uh, a little over a dozen kind of either acquisitions, mergers, um, and exits. Um, but to quantify it, uh, they've definitely not all worked. Some have been dramatic failures, and um, uh, um, uh, two uh, were in the seven-figure range. Actually, uh, a client of mine, I'm having a little celebration. I can't uh, tell you the company name yet, but I'm really excited. Just at the start of this week, um, uh, we've broken a record. A client of mine has now closed. He's been in the workings for a year on an exit for for a business that he built and sold, which is um, in an industry that that, uh, that we're all familiar with. So in this kind of sector for eight figures, cash. Very nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> very nice. Um, so, uh, uh, but this particular exit was one of my seven-figure exits. I, I, I sold the business for seven figures um, and um, it was magical. I, yeah, I was really happy. It kind of, it, it, it made me financially uh, free um, and uh, I loved it. But the, the acquirer, had some problems. Um, they were VC backed and they had some problems. So 12, 18 months after I'd sold the business to them, they came and asked me to buy it back at a significant discount, which I did. But in doing so, I was very conscious of the fact that the company had gotten into trouble. 
And when I got there under the hood, uh, when I did the analysis of the numbers, and this is where it's quite to be financially literate, I saw that, you know, even though I loved the vast majority of the team, the team that I'd um, uh, passed on when I'd sold the business, was the vast majority of them were still there. So these are people that I loved and respected and almost saw as family. Uh, I couldn't keep all of them. So yeah, for the business to survive, I needed to downsize. Uh, I needed to make cuts. I needed to make uh, redundancies. Uh, this was not long after the uh, the great financial, the global financial crisis, you know, of eight nine. So it was not not too. It was after that, but not too long after that. Yeah. And uh, it, it was scary because when you've got people that you love that are you've effectively got to give a letter saying your job is at risk and or you're making them an offer saying here's some money that I'm paying you to go away. You know, I, I I wasn't on their Christmas list that year, but I, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And it was painful. It was a painful, a very painful transition. It was one of the worst 12-month periods. In the long run, it's all rosy. Business recovered, flourished, you know, uh, multiplied many times and became very, very profitable and sustainable. So I'm glad that I did it. But it was a horrible place to be and you had to try and keep your emotions in check whilst honoring the people around you but equally doing the business analysis you know not not just saying oh well i'm going to stick with it because i love these people well that might be foolish and then everybody everybody's gone down with the ship yeah Yeah, right absolutely how i mean how do you balance off because some people would look at that and go oh well that's just business dan some people would look at that and go you know it's it's like that I would look at that and go, well, actually, you could have been doing some of those people a favour because they've probably gone on to much greater success having left that business. So that there probably are some some good sides to this. But for you personally, how how did you balance off that kind of, I guess it was, how would you wrap it up, guilt, guilty sort of feeling of having to let these people go? What did you do to kind of like look after yourself and, um, you know, push forward with that positively? Well, I, I, truthfully, I don't think I did. Uh, I, as in, I found it very tricky. Um, I, I do think with the past, I did try and do some things, uh, um, uh, but with the passage of time looking back, I would have had more focus and support on myself because I think mentally I found it very, very, very tough. Back then, you didn't really talk about mental health, but that was probably the the, the first time in my life other than perhaps I had a um I had a brain injury once and that was pretty tough as well when I'd say my mental health struggled a bit and I had I had months of uh I had months of struggle but I do have a belief and it's easy to say when you're emotionally calm and stable um which I do my best to try and remember I have outside mentors that remind me of this at the times which is um twofold one externally focused what's right for me is normally right for them because, you know, if you're well-intentioned, you're like, yeah, this is right on balance because the business needed restructure and they needed to go. And, you know, uh, uh, um, it's uh, it's partly to do with timeline. Like, in the moment, it feels horrible. But, yeah, of course, I, I don't track all those people because, um, I mean, the team was about 20 strong and I lost, uh, I made more than half of those people redundant. Uh, but many of which... Uh, I'm still in touch with one of which I actually invested in her business, which has taken off and flourished. But it took a few years for that to come round. She went off. She got another job. She blah 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 blah, uh, and then she came out and said, "Right, I'm ready to go on my own." And I went, "Right, I, you know, I, I love you. I think you're great, and I think you're going to fly. I'll back you." And I did, and a business has flourished. So I, I think part of that's uh, timeline related. So that's the what's good for me is good for them because I know that I'm well intentioned, and in the in the longer term, 
it'll work out. And, yeah. and the second, which is this expression was taught to me by a friend of mine, very close friend called Chris Hughes, um, who uh, I don't know where he got it from, though. He says, Dan, you are the apple tree. Right, so his point is like we're talking about the apples and the apples or the fruits of the labor and all that kind of stuff. But he's like just reminding you when you get out of it and you're oh, there's this and I could do that and this is tricky. It'll kind of go look like you're the the point. I believe he's making is you're the source. Yeah, like you can grow more apples. You can like you're like you're the source of it all. And as business owners, I think we we sometimes forget that, especially when we're in our times of greatest need. That's when we're often feeling most insecure, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just a good reminder. It's like, yeah, I'm the apple tree, so it might be carnage now. It might be a bad season, right? There's not much fruit this season or whatever yeah. uh, to try and continue the metaphor. But actually, I, I, I'll i just grow some more. So there's one that's kind of intrinsic, uh, internally focused on me and one that's more externally focused on them, i.e. what's good uh, for me is good for them in and vice versa in the long yeah. run. So you've been in, in business for 15 years. So that takes you back to being, if I've done my maths correctly, 23, you sort of started out in business. So did, did you always want to start out a business? And what, what, what was your first business when you started? Yeah, out? well, actually, technically, I think that was my first limited company. Uh, so technically, scarily, I've been in business uh, 20 years, might even be slightly longer. Uh, but my first business wasn't a limited company, you know. I was so, going to say, um, you like me, you had a couple of side hustles going on and things like that, sort of self-employed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think entrepreneurial was very much, in my nature so like a lot of teenage kids wanted to make uh wanted to make money did the whole car washing thing all that kind of jazz but then when i was in my teens i wanted to be a professional squash player and uh so i got coaching qualifications and was coaching people and then uh as like an assistant professional at the club um i ended up with the opportunity to restring rackets and then i figured out actually i couldn't coach people and restring rackets at the same time. But I bought a restringing machine. So, of course, I then went to another junior and taught them how to restring the rackets. And I figured out, you know, if I charged £15 back then for a, for a racket to be restrung, it would cost me about a fiver in string. Uh, and then about a £5 an hour was the rate that you'd pay one of the other juniors to do it. And then I'd still make a fiver in profit. And meanwhile, I could be on court charging back then maybe £20 yeah. for that same... Uh, session so I could make more money and then I built that up um, a little bit until each time had a few injury problems and realized that wasn't where my future uh, uh, meant to be although ironically same, same strange Twitter fate the night I'm recording this the club that I played at uh, the best person in that club, a friend of mine, was a guy called Nick Matthew, who went on to become the the best British player ever, three times world champion. And strangely enough, I've not seen Nick for a long time. He's coming to my club in Leamington Spa tonight to play an exhibition match. Wow. I'm going to see Nick for the first time in many years. But it was at that club that I kind of had a taste of, you know, running a business, if you want to call it that. And then I started another business with something that I was really passionate about, which was um, I've got really into accelerated learning techniques and I ended up becoming uh, becoming third in the Speed Reading World Championships. So I started a business with a friend um, uh, teaching accelerated learning techniques into schools. That failed catastrophically. Um, and I realized the reason why was back then I was terrible, appalling at marketing and sales. So um, I did the only thing you can do in such circumstances. I was totally fearless about 
running away. Um, I, I went. I went and got a uh, a job working for a friend. Uh, um, he wasn't a friend at the time. Actually, he subsequently became a friend, a mentor, really. But actually, it was fearless. I left home. Everything that I knew. Uh, um, uh, a long-term relationship ended and I went and got a job working in sales because I knew I was terrible at it and I needed to master it. It's the only uh, employed job that I had. I worked there for a few years and I, I developed sales skills and I also, right place, right time, that business went from a six-figure business to a multi-seven-figure business and I became uh, the marketing director. So I was 22, 23 maybe uh, before I, uh, and I was managing a 20, 30, 40,000 pound per month marketing budget had a, you know, a managing a team of salespeople. Um, and then, and then I realized I'd developed those skills. It was time to go out on my own. Um, I, because back then I thought I had it covered. I knew what I needed to know. Um, little did I know that, that, uh, life was ready to punch me in the face in a variety of other different ways. But that was the, uh, that, uh, that, that, that was the transition to the journey of the kind of my mid twenties when I became a quote unquote proper business owner, employees, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that one of your first experiences was actually running a coaching business. And it sounds like coaching and teaching has been sort of a major part of your life, not just giving, delivering coaching, but also it sounds like you've also had a number of mentors and coaches along the way as well. Just very quickly, like, you know, in 20 seconds, how can you encapsulate like the power of having a coach or a mentor in your life? Oh, it's, it's essential. In fact, funnily enough, this is a teaser of a book that I'm writing. It's not written. It won't be out until 2022, but I've, uh, I've started the writing process, which is I'm trying to, there's not in one place, most people that are on this podcast have heard this expression many, many times, which is you, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And uh, I found those repeated often, but I'm, I wanted to prove it. Now, there is an increasing body of research to suggest that that is correct, but nobody had consolidated it. And I, 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 so I'm writing a book. So, um, you know, uh, my last book was called Turnover is Vanity, Profit, Sanity. The one before that was called Breeding Gazelles. Fundamentally, they're about systems and processes for business growth. Great books. Uh, um, but th th this next one is really about talking about this premise and then saying, well, OK, there's evidence, increasing bodies of scientific evidence that supports uh, that that is true. Um, I haven't got the stats in front of me, so I won't use numbers that, that, that proves, you know, that if your best friend puts on weight, you're X percent likely more to put on weight. If, if a, a close colleague or your partner cheats on your, their taxes, you're X percent more likely to cheat on your taxes. And the same is true for, um, uh, other things, business growth, income, etc. which, anecdotally i suspect most of the listeners to the podcast go go that's true but actually if you when you really dive into the research it reaches far greater and wider than you think so then the second part of the book uh is going into proving what uh not proving going into well how do you do that then what is the difference between a mentor a coach a mastermind uh, and i could bundle them all under the same header and go it's it gives you a faster speed to solution. How do you learn? How do you learn vicariously through others so that you can accelerate your pro uh, progress more quickly? Um, a different way of saying it, Robin, would be, um, and it took me a long time to figure this out, you don't get paid more for doing it the longer, more difficult way. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like life doesn't care. 
you know, your business either can deliver the results for the client or it can't. How painful a journey it was to get there, well, emotionally, I suppose, could be more rewarding. Actually, financially, it's not. It's just the business can do the job or it can't, right? It gets the customers, it succeeds or it doesn't. Uh, so, you know, you don't get paid a bigger check. Like if you, not that anybody pays checks in anymore, but if you took the check to the bank uh, to pay in, you know, the, the cashier doesn't credit your account with more money. If you go, well, hold on first, let me tell you how I built this business. First, I invented fire. You know, like that just doesn't, it's like, that's the check. It goes in, it's the same. So, um, I, and I think coaches, mentors, masterminds, um, uh, uh, how they show up might be different, but the end outcome, I believe, is to develop the most important assets, uh, business asset that anybody listening to this or watching this can get, and that's the asset between your ears. Yeah. Right? It, it's like back to this: you are the apple tree. It, it's kind of going. If I want to make better a better business, I need to be a better business owner. If I want to be a better business owner, I need to make better business decisions. All right. Like my critical faculty better be well honed, well developed. Uh, 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 And that's where most people are greatly amiss. Yeah, I totally, totally get it. And it's it's not just about the way we think either. It's like this carries all of our core beliefs. It carries all of our history, you know, historical decisions and all of those sorts of things as well. And um, it, it requires shifting from time to time, a new a new um, operating system being installed in there, I think, sometimes. But it's actually looping back right back to the start. The decisions you made to get you to 100K are not going to serve you to get you to half a million, a million, 10 million, et cetera. It's like those businesses, those decisions, those things which happen are like fundamentally going to be different. Yeah, um, yeah. In fact, they'll actually to be more extreme, the things that got you to a hundred k will hinder you getting to a million. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And it's that it's that it's that unlearning element which is painful for most of us. So as an example, I was particularly adept in that six-figure range of marketing. I really honed that marketing skill and the ability to sell online, et cetera, and copywriting. Whereas now in relative terms, I'm very, very personally, very weak in that area. I've not invested, developed because it became a hindrance. I needed to learn how to hire people that could do that so I could focus on higher value, higher leverage activities. Yeah, that's incredibly profound. And I hope everybody caught that. So what you're saying is that actually it's not about just stop doing stuff. It's it's about the fact that like that, what you learn up to that point is going to hinder you if you keep on trying to do it in the future. That's massively profound. That's such a great lesson. I want to um, shift gears slightly. Obviously, you mentioned about the book that's coming out sort of next year. Um, if people want to um, sort of get in touch with you, what's what's the the best way of doing that, Dan? Yeah, two places. Uh, DanBradbury.com has got a, a wide array of resources. Actually, three places. DanBradbury.com, if all else fails. Uh, there's also the Dan Bradbury podcast, assuming that you like listening to podcasts. And equally, go to Amazon. And uh, there's two of my books are on there. And uh, there will be more in in the future. And I'm I'm about um, I'm about halfway into this one as well. I mean, I picked this one first because the title um, uh, intrigued me a little bit more than um, turnover is vanity, profit sanity. But I'm already, you know, I, I wouldn't I'd, I'd never say that I I know loads of stuff. But I've already had like in those first sort of fifty pages so many insights from that book already. It's like a proper download of Dan's brains for anybody listening to this. So do go and get hold of a copy of either one of those books or both of them, hopefully. Um, 
in terms of, uh, so I got one last question, Dan, just to wrap things up. And I'm really grateful for your, for your time today for coming onto the podcast. Um, we, we're going to jump into the fearless business time machine. And uh, we're going to go back to a date in your past. You get to punch the, the date into the Fearless Business DeLorean. Um, and you get to deliver a message to Dan, T minus X years. So what year is it? What message would you give to him? It's a, it's a, it's a great question. I would go back to... Uh, I would go back to my... Uh, the first... The Accelerator Learning Business. So that, that this is me aged about... 19, 20 years old. And uh, first of all, I'd slap myself around the face. <laughs> and, and, and then, and then I, I, I would say, um, uh, you are the most important asset. Focus on developing yourself. You are the apple tree. Uh, develop the skills for, for um, succeeding long term. I would try and get myself to to not think about the outcome called money now. Actually, if you develop you and a broad range of core competencies, uh, then in the long run, uh, I think you'll be very, very happy with the financial results. Yeah, there's there's something in that. So normally I try and finish with and there's something a bit profound where I give a reflection back to my guest, but there's something in that, which is about this notion of investing in yourself, which is coming through there just around like some, some people know that they need to, they know, they know they need to invest in themselves. Right. But they're too afraid to actually take that first step. And there's a number of things that are going to be holding them back. It could be past experiences. It could be the money. It could be any number of things. What, what would you say to somebody who is maybe about to make a big decision or, or needs to make that investment? What encouragement would you give them? Yeah, look, so the, the, there's three layers to it. Um, I mean, behind me in this room, there's a handful of bookshelves. But if, we, if you went through my house, you'd see it is covered with books. I'm actually getting uh, an outbuilding converted in the next few weeks because basically I need more space for my books. I'm building <laughs> a library, basically. And I, I think whatever you want to do in life, there's somebody out there that's done it. I, I, I think... Um, I, I think... Uh, to think you know how to do it already is typically very arrogant. There's often a lot of people that very speedily you can do it a better, quicker way. And I think the significant value from getting external points of view. And then that ties back in to uh, mentors, masterminds, and you become like the people you hang out with. So in my mastermind programs, I remember when it was a big deal, Robin, uh, for people that had six-figure revenues. Then I remember when it was a big deal for people that were, had seven-figure revenues. Then I, then I remember people having eight-figure revenues or seven-figure profits, right? And now I've got people with uh, uh, eight-figure revenues. I've got people with eight, well, one person with eight-figure profits, right? I had the exit earlier. Like the, so the, the point I'm making is the caliber of the group has grown over time. And now that's partly because we're attracting more higher-caliber people because – you know, like attracts like. That's the power of getting in front of a peer group. It attracts more higher caliber business the higher caliber you've got. But also the businesses that have stayed there that have been with me. And plenty of people have been with me five years, some that have been with me 10 years. And they're the ones that have, they stay, of course, because they're growing, they're developing, they're improving. And they go from six-figure revenues to eight-figure revenues and the matching profits, etc. So uh, you don't know what you don't know. And you've got to stay immersed 
in an environment. So I'd encourage the readers to say, how can I stay, keep developing the asset between my ears? How can I stay immersed in an environment which continually nurtures my growth? And whether that's formally through paid masterminds, whether that's informally, friends, acquaintances, networking meetings, whether that's buying books or more probably all of the above, I think that'll give you the best long-term ROI. Amazing. Great advice. Listen, Dan, I know we've got to wrap up now. So I just wanted to take the opportunity to say thank you very much for the amazing value which you've dropped on today's podcast episode. Don't forget, folks, do go and get yourself a copy of um, either or both of these books, Turnover is Vanity, Profit, Sanity or Breeding Gazelles. They're both fantastic books. Um, and do connect with Dan as well. Bit of social currency uh, to say thank you for Dan giving up his time. Go and follow him on social media and make sure you do go and check out his podcast as well. It's a fantastic podcast. Dan, thank you ever so much. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you, sir. See you again soon.